song. I've not heard that in a while, so glad to hear that one. So uh, Esther chapter number seven. What we're going to do is we're going to finish up the book this morning. It's seven, eight, nine, and ten, but I'm not going to keep you to four o'clock. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but we're going to summarize it this morning. It is good to see you here uh, again the first Sunday in uh, in 2024. They say that if you do something 27 times, it becomes a habit. I know that's weird knowledge. I don't even know where I heard that from, but I heard it, okay. 27 times. So all you need to do is come to church every Sunday from now to July something, and you've got a habit, okay? So you, we're, we're going to be looking for you all those Sundays, okay, Wednesday nights. So make it a habit of being here. We do appreciate you coming and being a part of our services today. So today we're going to be talking about from Esther chapter 7 through 10, it's time to feast, and it really has not anything to do with food, so I'm sorry about that, but it's, uh, it's time to feast. We're going to find out what that feasting is. I want to read all of chapter 7, because I think it kind of finishes up the narrative for us, but then just kind of pick and choose from 8, really hone in on chapter 9 is where we're going today with the feast. So let's do that. Chapter number 7, it says, so the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. The king said again to Esther the second day of this banquet, uh, What is your petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. What is thy request? It shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Verse 4 says, For we are sold and my people to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. And the king Ahasuerus answered and said to Esther the queen, Who is he? Where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And that was kind of of chapter 6, kind of the aha moment there for Haman as he walks into the court and He's assuming that everything that the king is going to declare is going to be for him, but the tables have turned, and now Mordecai has become the new man of the kingdom. So in verse number 6, Esther says, The adversary and the enemy is the wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, uh, went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther, the queen, for he saw there was no evil determined against him by the king. The king returned out of the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman, now get this, and this was a little bit interesting, was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. So Haman finds himself in another little precarious situation to where it looks like he's trying to make an advancement of the queen. Now obviously that's not what it was. He was getting ready to die, but it says that when the king walks in, Will he force the queen also before me in my own house? As the word went out for the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, stand in the house of Haman. Then said the king, Hang him thereon. So judgment day has fallen. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai, then was the king's wrath pacified. Now, watch how the story, the chiasm, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, has changed. It's a role reversal. Verse number 2 of chapter 8, the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. 
So now Mordecai gets the ring. Verse number 5, the documents that were signed, now it says in verse number 5, if you go there in the middle, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of, of Hamadatha, the Agag, Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. Verse number 7 says, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him have they hanged upon the gallows. Number 8, seal it with the king's ring. What's been sealed has been done. Go down to verse number 10. And he wrote in King Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by the post on horseback and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. So now all the news is changing. But it really gets good when you, we, and we first see this word used in verse number 17, and it's the word feast. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Verse number 17 of chapter number 8 says this, And in every province and every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. You go to chapter number 9, and it says in verse number 4, For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Verse number 5 says, Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword. Verse number 13 and 14 of chapter number 9 says, Then said Esther, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews which are at Shushan to do the Maru also according unto this day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it so to be done. Boy, we've had a change of story, haven't we? Everything has flip-flopped around. And then you come to verse 17 and then the preparation for the feast began. It's called the Feast of Purim. And it says in verse number 19, Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the 14th day of the month Adar, a day of gladness and feasting and a good day, and in sending of the portions one to another. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews that were in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, both nine far. Verse number 21, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month, Adar, and the 15th day of the same year, two days. And this is where I want to, our main verse is this morning. In verse number 22, as we set the stage here, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and joy, of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. In verse number 24, it tells it comes from the word pure, but it's the feast of Purim. So let me give you a little bit of history, just a little bit to set the stage of where we're going today. It was a Jewish holiday in celebration of the deliverance of the Jews. And the feast has kind of developed in what a more of a national holiday and specific prayers and the reading of the book of Esther would be done during this time. They would have a big meal. Gifts would be given to friends. And this is what I thought was very interesting. The book of, the Esther, book of Esther was read, and the audience would join in while they were reading the book. And this is what it said. When Mordecai's name was read during the story, people would begin to cheer. They'd begin to, to get excited. It says, when Haman's name was read... They had something, these noisemakers called graggers. 
and they began to drown out the name of Haman, and there was music, there was dancing, there was parades, there was an idea of celebrating, of deliverance. It was in homes, it was nationwide, it was the Feast of Purim. It was a time of excitement. Chuck Swindoll mentions in his book on Esther, he writes this, In order to have perspective, we must have monuments and memorials, places to return to and learn from and talk about and pass on. If we don't, we are destined to live rootless, fast-lane lives without much significance and all-too-seldom celebrations. There's some things that we need to look back to, and we need to learn how to feast. And then there's some things that we need to look forward to here this first Sunday in 2024 of things that we need to do as well, too. So that's what we want to do today. There's a quote that's on the screen. I think the guys have it. And this, I know that's probably kind of hard to read, but I'll, I'll read it to you here. The name of this festival would remind the Jews of the almighty power of God of Israel, who served his own purposes by superstitions of the heathen in reviewing our mercies. Now watch this. We should avert. We should turn back from those former fears and distresses. When our mercies are personal, we should not by forgetfulness lose the comfort of them or withhold them from the Lord, the glory due to his name. May the Lord teach us to rejoice with that holy joy which anticipates and prepares for the blessedness of heaven. Every instance, watch this, of divine goodness to ourselves is a new obligation laid on us to do good to those especially who most need our bounty. Above all, redemption by Christ binds us to be merciful. This feast allowed them to look back to the almighty of power of God and what he had done. We do the same thing. We have some days in our life, some celebrations, if you will. Believe it or not, here just in a few weeks, guys, I, it's always on us. It's always on our shoulders to do this. We've got to remember Valentine's Day, uh, March and April. We're always looking at Easter, May Memorial Day, July the 4th, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We do a job of celebrating. We have things that we look back to, things that we're thankful for. Matter of fact, just about seven or eight days ago, some of you, including myself, we stayed up to 12 o'clock at night just to watch a ball drop in New York City. We did. I did. You get to kiss your significant other, whoever that may be, and, and, and we celebrate, right? That's what we do. I started looking up some of the statistics on just how many people take in this ball dropping every year. It was estimated this year that over a billion people worldwide watch that ball drop just with you and me in New York City. That actual ball dropping dates back to about 1833. And literally, it was a signal for ships and navigational routes, and they would drop that ball at a certain time and that, it would give them time frames. It was a chromatome. on their chromatome. It would give them time frames. So it's an old tradition, but it happens just to be made modern today in the ball dropping in New York City. It is said that people began to come into New York in about 1904 to gather, but in 1907, the first ball was dropped and has been dropped since, except for two years, 
1942 and 1943. We had war then. So they stopped the ball dropping that year. Now get this. It's 12 feet in diameter and weighs almost 12,000 pounds. It's huge. It's made of crystals. When you see the word 2024, those numbers are 7 feet high, and those together weigh 1,160 pounds. So it's no small undertaking of, for a celebration. There's a lot that goes into it. And here's one. We, we, we know how to party, right? This is 200 sanitation workers are expected to hit the streets this past year to pick up 60 tons of confetti, party hats, noisemakers, and sunglasses. New York City ball dropping. That's what you watched the other day. So we know how to party. We know how to celebrate, don't we? We have our days. Or Nestor's day, it's time to feast. We know how to feast. So let's look forward to 2024 and find out how can we better feast? How can we better celebrate? As we contemplate today, we finish, we summarize the book of, of Esther. Let's find out how we can do that. I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. All right, it's been a week, and you guys, some of you are already hitting the gym pretty hard, but give it about two weeks, and that, that bike's going to be on Facebook Marketplace, right? That's how that thing goes, all right? So the, the weights get put up in the closet, and life begins. So we're not talking about that. So let's pray this morning. Let's find out how we can feast in 2024. So let's ask God to help us this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this celebration that we see in the book of Esther, Lord. But I pray that we would take it today and we would find out how in our lives we can feast. We can better live for you. We can better know how and find out in our life to live for you daily, weekly, yearly. Be in your house. Be in your word. What a challenge it is to us. So I pray this morning, God, as these people are sitting here, Lord, that you would touch their hearts, touch their lives and minds, help them to go ahead and settle in for this 2024 that they're going to be a part, Lord, of your word and of your house and in your attendance of your church. I just thank you for that. Give us your help this morning. In your name we do pray. Amen. So where do we find out how to get or how do we find out how to feast well, if you look in verse number 22, it says this, As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned to them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. Now, this is our key, one of my, my key thoughts I want you to get today. If you don't remember anything, remember, well, I hope you remember more, but remember this. I want you to be reflective of the past, resolute in the present, and be responsible for your future. Remember those words, reflective, resolute, and responsible. That's how we can be and be ready to feast. So there's four key things I found. So number one, four keys to feasting of this, number one, Rest from your enemies. Now, I'm not talking about physical enemies, okay? I'm not talking about somebody breaking in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the enemy of pride. I'm talking about the enemy of fear. 
I'm talking about the enemy of bad attitudes. I'm talking about the enemy of anger. Some of you came in this morning, and depending on just what happened at the house or what happened yesterday, you came in and you're carrying something, and you, it's on your mind. You can't get rid of it. And I was thinking about these enemies. It hit me just Friday. Th- three of these just came to my mind of the enemies that, that we carry, the enemies that we have a hard time getting rid of. Let me remind you of what Matthew 11 says in verse 28 through 30. It says this, Come unto unto me, all ye that are laboring or heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart and shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what are some of these enemies that may attack us this year and, and no doubt last year that you need to say, let's take a break, let's take a break. I thought about this one, the enemy of worry. And some of you are already doing it right now. Oh, no, he's going to talk about worry. I'm worried about it. I mean, it's already hitting you. <laughs> that's, that's the way it happens. The enemy of worry. What are you worried about today? You say, I'm not nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know that good face? I, I'm good. I'm good. Did you carry something in with you this morning that you've been carrying for a while? You don't know how to let it go. <laughs> you've tried to let it go. You've tried to kick it, you've tried to hit it, you've come off the top rope, and you don't know what to do with it. And you've, this thing of worry just eats you up. It's mom, it's dad, it's sisters, it's brothers, it's kids, it's family, and you, you're, maybe you're, you're begging God to do something. And you, every day it hits you. You're worried, you're worried, you're worried. I found this quote. I thought it was pretty good. Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind if encouraged it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained is that not true that that one little that one little trickle becomes a river in your mind and in your heart and you worry and you can't sleep first peter 5 7 says casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Some of you worry. Some of us ruminate. And there's a difference. Now, what is rumination? Well, if you're in a, you've heard of cow and they have these rumens and the cecums and these different stomachs and they'll, and I'm trying to be gross, but they eat something, they'll swallow it and then they'll burp it back up and they'll chew on a little bit more and get the vitamins out of it and they'll swallow it again. They do it about three or four times. So what happens, some of you worry about the future, but then some of you ruminate over the past and you'll, you'll burp that back up. And you'll think, well, man, I should have done that. Man, nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. So now some of you worriers are wondering if I'm a ruminator. All right, that's how it goes. Do I ruminate? Do I worry? Which one do I do? Both of them are bad. One deals with the future. One deals with the past. They're both experienced as negative, repetitive, and uncontrollable. (laughs) And it's hard to shake the worry. I'll remind you, 1 Peter 5, 7, he cares for you. He knows that you're a worrier, and he wants to help you in the worry. But you need to drop it off this morning. 
drop off the enemy, punch him in the face, get rid of the enemy of worry. Thought about this one. What about the enemy of doubt? Doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. You ever heard that before? Remember our saying, reflective of the past, resolute in the present, responsible for the futures. Now look, I'm going to hit it from a little bit different angle this morning when you're talking about resting from your enemies and we're talking about doubters. I'm not going to throw doubters underneath the bus. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm going to remind you of some doubters from Scripture and what happened to them. So if you're, if you're battling the enemy of doubt, stand up for the fight. Stay in there. You remember doubting Thomas? Remember that one? No explanation needed. What about doubting Abraham? In Genesis 20, verses 2 and 3, as he's getting to go before Abimelech the king, he tells his wife that you're my what? My sister. He's doubting a little bit. What's going to happen? And it says in verse number 3 that God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. What about doubting Abraham? What about doubting Moses? Exodus 4.10 says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither herefore nor hast thou spoken unto the servant but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And maybe God has just put it on your heart to do something and you have doubted it and I can't do it. I'm not, watch this, I'm not good enough to do it. I'm not prepared enough to do it. But God's put it on your heart to do it and you're doubting yourself. What about doubting Zacharias? It's time to have a baby in Luke 1.18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man, <laughs> and my wife well stricken in years. What about doubting Sarah? You know what she did when she heard that she was having a baby? She laughed. She heard, she heard them talking. It says in Genesis 18, 19 through 14, it says, Abraham and Sarah, this is verse number 11, were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with them, Sarah, after the manner of women, Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. <laughs> what about doubting Sarah? Verse number 14 said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Doubters are welcomed, right? Doubters are welcomed here. God wants you to help. He wants to help you with those doubts. He didn't ask people to pretend and try to manufacture this certainty in their life. He's accepting you. You need to take that step forward and quit that doubting. There's the, the enemy of worry. There's the enemy of doubt. There is the enemy. I, this just hit me. What about the enemy of failing health? I said in a funeral Friday of a man that, 79 years old, and that's, that's a good life to live. And my dad went, and he had been in Vietnam with him, and it was bringing back some memories for him. But no doubt this year, you've lost someone. No doubt this year, that could be said the same. We don't know from one day to the next. All right, we're in God's hand. But what about the enemy of failing health? Getting older, I'm telling you, is just no fun at all. Tuesday of this week, and I kind of, I kind of, 
I'm not going to tell this story or not because I just, I'm going to tell it, Matt, okay? Because I think it makes, I'll tell you the story. So, so Tuesday, just a, just a normal average Tuesday for me, okay? I'm at home. We're doing some things around the house, and I hadn't planned this. I hadn't put it on my schedule or calendar, but I'm getting into the shower Tuesday, and I fall. I'm talking, I went down hard, I'm not falling like that in a long time. And I'm not that old, okay? I'm not that old. And I fell, and I found myself sitting in that tub thinking, how am I going to explain to people (laughs) that I fell getting into a bathtub and my leg is broken? Tyler, I I try to think, how am I going to explain that without looking like an absolute idiot? I mean, so I, I get myself together. I get out, and, and Elizabeth knows. I, I'm always messing, doing something. She knows when, when I'm, I'm, I'm cha- I get out, and I was like, I think my shin's broken. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think I may have to go to the doctor. Let's get ice. I said, no, 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 no. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Let's see if it swells up. Let's see what happens. When I, I, we, now, here's the deal. I went on that day. I had stuff to do. I, I did everything. Tyler, I haven't played golf the next day. But I'm telling you this. I've turned my ankle. I've played basketball for years. And when I got up that next morning, I felt like I had been dropped from a tree. I mean, my leg was hurting. It was aching. Now, I feel good today. But I'm telling you what, that'll, that'll make you think a little bit. <laughs> it makes you think, well, okay, what about the just we're getting older. Things are happening in our lives. Elizabeth was telling me about a story the other day of, of a lady. You've, you know, probably heard of her. name is Joni Erickson Tata. She's a quadriplegic. She had a diving accident early on in life, I think in her teenage years. She said, you need to listen to this. And I thought, you know what? This is why I need, I, need to, I need to repeat this to some people. So I'm listening to this broadcast the other day, and she's telling her story to James Dobson on this family talk. And she's a quadriplegic. And on this broadcast, it was back in 2010, he was interviewing her, and she just found out that she had breast cancer. And so I'm listening to this story, and, and I'm thinking, man, I mean, it's this, this, this chips are just stacking against her. She's in a wheelchair. Now she's got breast cancer. And she tells her husband, she, can't, she said, I can't do this. I, I cannot go through this. But she said, God can help me through it. God can help me through it. I have a reason to do this. Someone came to her. <laughs> this, was, this makes me like want to crawl underneath the chair right here. Someone came to her and said, Joni, can I pray for you for the healing of this cancer? And she said, yeah, you can. But she said, how about this? Pray for me that I won't be self-centered. Pray for me that I won't be impatient. Pray for me that I don't want my way all the time. And man, that just hit me like a rock. And I thought about this. We are physically broken people. But that's not our main problem, Ephola. Our main problem is we are spiritually broken people. And that physical brokenness, it can heal. Now, sometimes it won't. But that spiritual brokenness is one if you don't take care of that it's a matter of life and death. And as I sit there listening to that yesterday, I was thinking, man, 
What an attitude of about one's own health that even though I'm physically bound to this, I don't want to be spiritually bound by like God moving in my life. I thought that was, I thought that was huge. So no doubt we are going to have some of that this year. Don't fall. <laughs> it hurts, okay? Try not to do that. What about resting from your enemies this year? Let's look at number two. Let's hurry. Resting from your enemies. Number two, what about this one? Rejoicing in God's promises. Humanly speaking, the book of Esther makes it seem highly unlikely that God's promises will be kept. But as you start reading, the book unfolds. You hear a series of sermons somewhere. You're encouraged that God's promises are going to be met. It provides a worthy example of faith. Esther trusted God. She knew that perishing for faithfulness is far better than surviving due to faithlessness. So as I look back, and I think I even did this chapter in Esther 4.16, I was reminding of some of God's promises and what she says. In Esther 4.16, she said this, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast you for me, and either neither eat nor drink these days, night or day, that I also my maidens will fast likewise. And so I will go unto the king, which is according to the law. And she says this, remember, if I perish, I perish. So as you look back, as we look back at Esther, the promises of God have come true because now we're feasting. We're in feast mode now. I started looking back and reflecting this year on this church, and I'm reminded of God's promises. <laughs> I started, started looking and looking at some numbers, and I know we're a number-driven people, but that's just what we are. We had 26 baptisms this past year at you follow the Baptist Church. Adults, teenagers, kids came to Christ this past year. Thirteen new families joined this church this past year. It was about 42 people. And you underneath my voice have been a part of kids' ministry, nursery working, trunk or treats, building boxes for kids across the globe. Some of you men even shot arrows at a big styrofoam target out here a few weeks back. They were giving away grills. And just a few weeks ago, we had to set out extra chairs for a full house on a Christmas Eve service. I think God's kept his promises. How about you? I think he's done exactly what he wanted to do. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more that you see the day approaching. And I forgot one that we did too. We got to eat a couple times the famous barbecue chicken of the Sigmunds. You're not going to miss that one either. You know, some people's attitude about church is this. I'll just go if I, I when I need it, I'll go. When I need it, it I'll, I'll just go. But our motivation can't be that way. When you gather here, it's for what reasons? Yes, it is to receive something. It's to give something. It's to encourage. It's to bless one another. And it's to work together. That's why you need to be in your spot. We are reminded, or excuse me, we are rejoicing in God's promises. Number three. Number three, I thought about this one. If you want to feast in 2024, you need to remember that God still saves. You remember his salvation. He's still in the saving business. Esther is a story of a great Savior who orchestrates his saving, even though the evil decisions of the, of the enemies. And I thought about a few things 
What happens if you remember God's salvation, you're encouraged in your own salvation and your purpose for the future. Let me tell you this. God has a special plan for each and every one of you. Know that. Don't doubt that. He has a special plan for each and every one of you. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. This is a tough one, but sometimes you're going to have to do this. You'll have to go against what common sense says and what others to follow God's plan. Sometimes that's tough to do, but he has a plan for you. Sometimes the best things in life often come with the greatest risk. Remember that. That's why they call it, a, I guess that's why they call it a, a leap of faith sometimes. And the last one I thought about this, the time to follow his plan is now. If you have something in front, you know God wants you to do something, it's now. Esther 4, verse number 14, you remember this. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. There'll be times in your life when you've gathered all the information that you can. You've prayed as best that you know how. You've sought counsel. What you're planning on doing, it's not a sinful thing. And you still have that unsurety in your heart. You sleep on it. You think about it. But at some point, you've got to pull the trigger. You've got to have the courage to do what God wants you to do. Don't be afraid to allow God to determine the outcome. Even if you can't see it, don't, don't be afraid to allow God to determine the outcome. Matt, you can come on up this morning. We've got one more point, and it's this. Rest from your enemies. Rejoice in God's promises. Remember his salvation. Here's the last one. When you read, read the whole counsel of God's word. You realize this, that what I have in my hands and what you have in your lap or what you have on your phone, however you choose to read, this is our foundation. That's not going to change. It was our foundation in 2023. It'll be your foundation in 2024. That's what will save you. That's what will keep you. That's what will give you comfort. That's what will, you'll be able to chase all the enemies away. You can cure the doubt. You can calm the worry. When failing health comes, peace is derived from right here. That's, that's our foundation. Esther's a beautiful story of what it seems like coincidences and overly optimistic characters. But you have to read Esther in the full context. Remember, God's name is never mentioned in the book. So if you don't read every chapter and every line, now we know it's there. But boy, don't you see it? Don't you see God's hand as the, the master puppeteer as he's going through and establishing all the narrative? Boy, he's getting everything done just the way he wants it. It only makes sense if you read the whole thing. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this year. Is when you read, don't buffet style it, just what makes good for me. You take in the whole thing. You Sunday school, you, you small group leaders and you teachers and you kids workers, when you give this out to somebody, you make sure you give them the whole thing. All right? You give them the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's all in here. That's our duty to do that. That's what you need to do to feast in 2024. If you'll bow your heads and stand this morning.
I want to encourage you if if one of these areas has kind of been challenged in your heart this morning that you would come up and and uh, take care of that and you remember when when you are reading God's word and you're going through you pray when you read it plan when you read it and practice what you read those are some good things to remember when you're reading his word so if you need some rest this morning from your enemies come and find a place up here God has some some ways to help you rest rejoice in his promises look back and then look ahead remember his salvation never forget when the Lord saved you what an amazing day it was it was a miracle it was this miraculous day for you read the whole counsel of the word of God there'll be counselors up here this morning if if you need to have some help we'll pray and then Matt will sing a verse of a song father we thank you for your word I thank you God that you've helped us this morning and Lord I pray that someone on the sound of my voice needs to do business with you Lord or whatever it may we have so many things Lord that could come to our mind Lord but we definitely want to make sure that as we enter into this new year that we're learning how to feast we're learning exactly how to do it from you and from your people 